You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Wasaki, uh, which is just north of Green Bay. And when I say just north, I mean a good hour or so north of Green Bay. Uh, I have not been up there to the ESPN affiliate yet, but I should, you know, really make my way up to the northern part of the state and just knock out a bunch of these in a couple of days. Kind of like how we are knocking out mailbag podcasts as we go through this week and we have another one for you today so the founder of brewhoop.com and my good friend frank madden will be joining me momentarily for the next portion of our mailbag but before we do that just a little bit of news to update you on today uh brandon jennings has been waived by the milwaukee bucks uh obviously we kind of assumed this was going to happen on July 1st. Then on July 1st, his guarantee date got pushed back to August 1st. Uh, and now August 1st came about and the Bucks decided to waive Brandon Jennings. Not much of a surprise there. Uh, you look at their roster, it's full of guards. It's filled with players that are better than Brandon Jennings. So it, it would just not make really any logical sense at all to have him uh, remain part of the team and the Bucks did not do that so the Bucks have moved on from him um, I'm curious to see if maybe there'll be like a training camp invite or something uh, with Jennings in the future or, or maybe that would, to him would just feel like uh, the Bucks are patronizing him because when you look at this roster there really isn't a spot there for him so uh, you know maybe trying to get in a training camp invite somewhere else would be uh, a possible way for him to extend his NBA career another season you know get a chance with another team so um you know uh, the bucks might reach out to him with that but it ultimately might not be the best idea for jennings so uh the brandon jennings era in milwaukee has come and gone once again uh and we'll see kind of where he goes but for the bucks uh pretty obvious uh why you would not bring him back he, he did have those special games against the g league grizzlies and the g league bulls uh but other than that really not able to make much of an impact and uh you know you kind of see why he was out of the league uh for a little while there before joining the bucks so uh that will be taken care of uh also that was a question that was in our mailbag it appears near the end of the podcast today so you'll get to hear our answers to the very question of why is brandon jennings still on the team uh that someone asked on sunday you'll get to hear our answer to that uh you'll get to hear Frank and Eric from Sunday night answer that uh, here on Thursday. So that will be uh, what we have today. Uh, some other fun stuff in there today. Um, hopefully you guys have been enjoying these. And with all of that being said, I will toss it to Frank. Looking at some some more questions, um, Anil Sah asks, which player do you see improving the most next season in terms of production? We've kind of been alluding to some different guys 
Um, I don't know. Who, who do you think are the, the best candidates for for that uh, for that honor? Um, I think there would be. Hmm. I think Giannis always has to be involved in this conversation, uh, just because he does it every year and improvements by him may be uh, at a higher level of importance than some of the other players. But I know most of the time when we discuss this, he kind of gets pushed to the side. I just wanted to mention that before I talked about my real candidates. Um, I think Tony, it's, it's gotta be Tony Snell, right? Um, I think the two guys that kind of play that two guard long wing kind of guy, Tony Snell and Sterling Brown. Like to me, those are, those are the two guys that, you know, kind of fit the, the type as a, as a bud kind of guy. Uh, and I think they play the defense that he would require and, uh, you know, can shoot threes. They can do a little bit of other stuff. And I, to me, I don't know if I can go anywhere else other than those two guys. Do you have anyone else in mind? I was probably going to go swing over Tony just because I don't think Tony just he's not wired to ever be like a high usage guy. And I mean, and, and again, he shot 40 percent from three last year, 8 percent true shooting. I mean, he was he was still an efficient guy. He just didn't take many shots. And his minutes obviously went kind of much more down, especially late in the year than, than you might have liked. So I don't know if Tony Snell is going to I don't know if there was going to be like some some huge pop in, in Tony's numbers. I think we're going to be a guy. His Sterling was not an efficient scorer last year, only 50 percent true shooting. I think Sterling's a guy who who could see a much more tangible jump. I think he has a higher ceiling than Tony, especially offensively and sort of just statistically. So I think Sterling would be a guy I might bet on um, to kind of, you know, maybe to get that more of that bump than, than even Tony, even though I think Tony would be better under Budenholzer. Um, Brogdon, I think, is an interesting guy. Again, you know, I think the scenario where Brogdon could be the breakout guy would be Bud decides at some point that he just doesn't want Bledsoe on his team for whatever reason, and Brogdon basically gets a much larger role because of that. I don't know really what that's likely, um, but I guess that might be one way. And then, to be honest, I think the guy that, if this guy, in a weird way, this is the guy that I kind of want to improve the most just because the Bucks really need him to improve the most probably, um, and that's Thon Maker. Um, and I don't know if, if you know Mike Budenholzer has any you know, magic beans he can sprinkle uh, onto Thon Maker. Um, but we've talked about how big of a year this is for Thon. You know, he was bad last year. Like, he was a huge negative on the court until really the playoffs. And, um, you know, going into his third year, I think he has to he has to show now that, that he is a legit NBA player, which we joke about. Um, but he's a guy that if he can swing from being a, you know, very below average player to even being an, you know, average NBA rotation center who can maybe have the upside to still keep getting better, that'd be huge, right? If he started knocking down mid to high 30% three rather than 29, 30% three and being all over the place and super inconsistent defensively to somebody that was actually reliable. And, you know, they leverage his switchability and all that stuff. Then um, that would be a big swing. Cause I think his minutes last year were huge negatives. And I think when you talk about what can make the bucks better relative to last year, I think turning Thon's minutes from bad into decent, whether that's by just not playing Thon or by getting a better version of Thon, that's a really important thing. But again, I don't, I don't know if I bet on that, um, but that, that certainly would be, I think a, a good outcome. David Pottinger asks, um, latest Giannis workout photo, guy looks to have added more muscle. Added strength, increased chances of center Giannis. If so, what does the center rotation look like minutes-wise? So I think we kind of tried on this a little bit, but I, I didn't organize our list well enough tonight. Um, so what what do you think um, What do you think about center Giannis? I don't know. Like, How are you feeling about that? We mentioned we don't like Chris Middleton at the four. Um, do you think Giannis, the five, we, I don't know. Do you, do you think it's finally going to be a thing? You said you... Uh, would wait for it to become a thing before it becomes a thing something something to that yeah. effect um but i don't know i i'm first off to say 
Giannis looking jack. Well, Giannis was jacked last year, uh, and I think you know that picture that's been going around is with him, like where he's like flexing, holding some some barbells. So you know he's gonna look he's gonna look more jacked in that picture than uh, than he would just normally anyway. Um, so you know hashtag muscle watch. I'm always a little skeptical of that, but um, you know I, I think for Giannis, I, I don't I don't think really like bigger arm muscles, biceps is is what's gonna make him be better at at the center position. I think it's more about his core and, and his lower body than anything and again I almost worry about guys getting too jacked in the arms um, but I, I again I've, I mean I'm always hesitant to really think too much about center Giannis just because we've talked about it a lot and Jason Kidd just never really wanted to go to it and they just didn't really consistently play well with Giannis at that spot but um, it seems like a really uh, obvious thing to do in certain scenarios although I'd also say it's maybe a little academic too this year because I think a lot of the like quote unquote Giannis center lineups might be lineups where he's out there with Ursani Silva, in which case Ursan may be functionally just as much the center as Giannis. Um, so it may be like a no center lineup, but I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a point center Giannis lineup. I guess my larger question is what's the point? Like, I don't. I think in the past it was very obvious what the point was. Like, okay, so you take off Henson or Zeller uh, and you put Giannis at the five and then you're able to put four shooters around Giannis. Brooke Lopez can do that. Like, he's he's totally fine in that role and he scored 20 points per game two years ago and scored 20 points per 36 uh, this past year as well. Like, I, to me, as I look at this roster, like, who is the guy I'm dying to get on the floor by moving Giannis to the center lineup? Like, cause really that's what you're like. You're trying to unlock something special by playing someone out of position. And, uh, I don't know if that guy exists. Like, so if I move Giannis to the five, that means I have to move Chris to the four. And if I, if I move Chris to the four, then I move Tony Snell to the three. I move Malcolm Brogdon to the two, Bledsoe to the one. What have I gained out of that? To me, that's why this year, like I, as you said, it's kind of academic. Like I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's an overwhelming positive to be gained by playing Giannis at the center because you can create the things that you want with Giannis at the center you know, without playing him at the center, with playing him with a guy like Brooke Lopez, or even in, in the same way, like Ursan, uh, if Ursan and Giannis play together as the two bigs, like who's the center, who's not the center, are you really doing that? Is that more of a Ursan at center lineup when you do it? Uh, so I, I don't know. I I would say in past years, I can understand the excitement and appeal of a Giannis center lineup this year. I, I don't I don't think I get it overly. Well, the thing is, like, Brooke Lopez, like, you're not going to play Brooke Lopez against, like, the death lineup, right? Like, if you're playing against teams that are are playing small and you want to have Giannis plus shooters, then Brooke Lopez is not going to be playable in certain scenarios. Sure, so that would put, be- out, put out Ersan, and then I would ask the same question. Are you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I guess the, the question would be, like, you know, if if you need a lot of mobility at the one through four spots and you want Giannis to center, right? And again, like, I, I agree. Like, I think... You, you have less of a need to put Giannis at center purely for the purpose of getting shooting around him. Um, so really the reason to put Giannis at center would be you want a ton of mobility at the one through four spots and therefore you don't want, you know, Ursan or mm-hmm. Burke Lopez on there or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a question because I think in previous years we talked about it a lot because 
everybody wanted to figure out ways to shoehorn Jabari Parker yep. down to the court and keep, in addition to Jabari, keep, you know, Middleton, obviously, Bledsoe, Brogdon, and then, you know, or Snell or whatever, right? Exactly. And obviously, I think it's a good point, though, this year, with Jabari finally gone, like, you don't have that sort of, like, oh, how do we fit this random dude who, you know, isn't necessarily really needed or doesn't really fit that well um, on the court and, and you know, yep. less of a need for that. But but who knows, right? I mean, what if Sterling, you know, if Sterling Brown is our breakout player, then then maybe you're trying to find ways to put yeah. Sterling Brown on the court. Maybe he's playing effectively the four, right? I mean, that, I think that certainly <laughs> could, could even be a possibility. I mean, it sounds kind yeah, of like for sure. to say now, but, you know, in terms of, like, thick dudes who can, you know, bang uh, with, with small ball fours, I mean, hell, uh, Brown may be better suited to do it than any of the guys we just <laughs> looking through other questions. Um, uh, so Hamza Hamden asked um, another question. I think we already got to, but is Middleton undersized to be playing against real fours and small lineups? I think we would say yes. That's probably not a, a great idea. Um, also possible nicknames for the new arena. Um, Justin Cape. I don't think you guys spoke about it yet. It may not be the most exciting. What do you guys think of the new, uh, the naming of the new arena? Um, Fiserv Forum, did I pronounce it correctly? Fiserv Forum. Fiserv? That is correct. Forum. Uh, any, any thoughts on Fiserv Forum? Um, I think Forum's kind of interesting. I like the idea of being able to say the Forum. Like, I'm going to the Forum. That's, that's kind of... Uh, I think I've always kind of been attracted to that idea. Um, I want it to be simple. Like, I... Like three syllables is about like all I got. So if I can say like the forum, the BC, the Mecca, like that all worked for me. Um, so I know like some people have said like uh, the 41 forum, which is a nice little creative uh, pun kind of work in there with 414 and, uh, you know, but at the same time, like it's too much. I just think I, I guess I would suspect I will end up calling it the forum. Like that'll end up being what I will say uh, in you know the shorthand way in which we end up talking about arenas. Just because I don't, I feel like any more um, any more syllables than that. Uh, what are we doing with a nickname? We've made it more difficult than the actual place and what it's called. Stupid question is is the is the master form? Wait, it's not. This is a dumb question. It's not technically on Fourth Street, right? Or is it? Um, it would technically, yes. Well, 4th Street does not extend up that far anymore. Um, because, okay. uh, because of that. I was going to say, I mean, we used to, it used to be the fortress on the, on 4th, right? That was like, Correct. occasionally people refer to the Bradley Center as the fortress on the 4th. Um, but I was just looking at the map and I was like, well, it seems like it's sort of on the same street, but I don't know if it's technically still even four Street. So, um, so I was going to say, I mean, you call it the forum on four street, the Pfizer forum, the Pfizer fortress. I don't know, whatever. Um, uh, FIFO, uh, FIFO forum. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. Right, we'll workshop it. Um, really Pfizer's- ideally it becomes the FOFO forum for how many games it takes for them to get exactly. to the finals. That would be the ideal situation. Uh, shout out Moses Malone, the FOFO FOFO. Um, all right, that's all I have for that now uh, on the Pfizer Forum. Um, <laughs> Shafty Bro asks, who has more threes this year, Brogdon or Brooke Lopez? I didn't really even know. I was like, that was kind of an interesting question because I was like, I don't know. Who, without even looking, who do you think made more threes per game raw last year? Oh, Brooke Lopez or Malcolm Brogdon? The raw part makes it more difficult because I know his per 36 was really high, but I don't know if he played enough minutes. Um, I would guess Lopez, but I don't. 
feel 100% confident in that? So uh, last year, Malcolm Brogdon averaged 1.3 threes per game, not per 36, per game. Brooke Lopez averaged 0.5 threes per, per game. And that was in 23 minutes per game, which I think is a decent estimate for what he'll get this year. I think I don't think he'd play fewer minutes than that in terms of uh, what Brooke Lopez will do in Milwaukee. So, yeah, I might guess that Brooke Lopez will, will, will edge Malcolm Brogdon again, I guess. Um, I mean, I'd, like to, I'd love to see Malcolm Brogdon's uh, Revolutionary War musket get sped up a little bit to maybe a Korean War uh, rifle, uh, and maybe he sh- maybe he makes two per game, but that probably feels kind of ambitious. But um, two years ago, Brook Lopez made 1.83s per game as well. So, um, kind of an interesting thought experiment, but yeah, that that would be kind of cool to have a, a, a center who makes almost two threes per game. Yeah, I think the tough part is going to be minutes, like, because if yeah. the question is who has more threes this year, I I would say largely that depends on health. Um, you know, if you move it to threes per game, that gets a little bit different. Threes per 36, a little bit different. But raw threes, um, I feel like it's going to largely depend on which of the two players is more healthy. Um, so we'll see which one that it is. But, yeah, if I if I had to assume total health for both, um, despite, I think, Brogdon getting a few more minutes than Brooke Lopez per game, um, I think Lopez is uh, more willing trigger from three uh probably gives it to him so i would say brooke lopez too uh similar question in the sort of same vein um question from ben Rauman predicts outlines for the bucks new acquisitions this summer um let's just keep it to urson and brooke lopez and i'll just make it easy to say above uh, over under uh on their stat lines starting with lopez 13 points four boards uh, 1.7 assists 1.3 blocks Anything kind of jump out at you uh, at those numbers, 23 minutes per game? Do you think any of those numbers you'd, you'd say will definitely be higher or lower now that he's a part of uh, part of the Milwaukee Bucks? I feel good about saying he's going to play more minutes than 23 minutes a game. Uh, so I think probably everything bumps up a little bit. And, and I don't know that he plays way more because uh, with Lopez, he's had some of those injury issues in the past. I, I think you do need to, to limit him a little bit, and you do also need to find a way to hopefully have Thonmaker uh, take a jump and make – make some sort of impact or also get John Henson in there. Um, so I would say, I think everything probably bumps up just a little bit because I think he's probably closer to 25, 27. And, you know, I, I would say he's been a muck, a much, much, much more productive player for his career than either John Henson or Thon Maker. And, you know, if you're Mike Boonholzer and you're trying to win a bunch of games and you're trying to prove that, you know, you are a great coach and uh, you can lead this team to the playoffs, well, I think playing your best option at center for a longer period of time each night would be attractive. That that's just a guess, um, but thinking about a guy that's trying to win games, I think you'd want to play your best center as much as possible. So I think I, I, I think everything kind of bumps up there. So uh, let's say like fifteen points per game, uh, maybe like five rebounds per game. I don't know if assists will. Assists are hard to kind of figure out how it'll happen, especially when we're dealing with lower numbers. But I think minutes, points, rebounds all go up for Brook Lopez this season. Uh, Ursan, Ursan's funny to look at. Um, so since he came back to the NBA from that two-year stint with Barcelona in the 9-10 season uh, in Milwaukee, here are his scoring numbers per year. Every year he averaged between 23 and 27 minutes per game. Here are his scoring numbers per season. 10, 10, 13, 13, 11, 11 and a half, uh, 10, 13, 11. <laughs> Pretty consistent. Like, um, you know, and again, he was at... Last year, 25 minutes per game, average 11.6 boards. That feels about right. And he's got about 30, <laughs> yeah. 35, 36% from three, like every pretty much year. So, I mean, 
let past history be our best guess of the future in this case as well. I think he's probably a guy that will average 10 or 11 points per game, maybe six boards. And, you know, I think with Urson, you just hope that maybe he has a more accurate year from three than maybe he's had in previous years. And obviously, given his age, you just hope that he doesn't start trailing off. I mean, if he gives you, you know, 11 and six the next couple of years, and I think you feel pretty good about that given some of his intangibles and sort of the reliability factor. Yeah, I think I would not feel comfortable saying definitively over or under for just about anything with him. Uh, his career averages 11 points per game, uh, 5.9 rebounds per game. Yep. That sounds about right. And again, that's not a very creative prediction, uh, but it does to me feel, feel pretty much right. The only thing I have some concern about is obviously I mentioned, uh, kind of the idea that, I think with him at the four, you have most of your minutes wrapped up at the four. Giannis should play most of his minutes at the four. You know, maybe there's some at the five uh, for Giannis, which would then, you know, maybe free up some other minutes for Ersan. But uh, for me, for him to get to 25 minutes per game, like, I don't think it'll be difficult because I think Mike Budenholzer very clearly likes him quite a bit. uh, So he will try to get him those minutes. But, um, you know, finding creative ways to get him into the lineup might be a little bit of struggle for those final 10 of that 25 minutes that Mike Budenholzer might want to play him. So that would be my only uh, potential concern with his numbers and where they may go next year. Kind of going, uh, I don't even know if I can answer this. Bucks in Scotland at Scottish Bucks sixty eight. Um, ask guesstimate the stat lines of Giannis, Chris, nope. Ellen, Bledsoe, and Lopez. <laughs> not, any, no. any of the, let me say this: any of those jump out? So any of those jump out where you think that guy may do more of this? Uh, you mentioned you wouldn't be shocked if Giannis averaged close to thirty points a game. Any of those guys jump out? Like I, I think this guy may do more of this this year. We've already touched on a few of these guys. I don't think we need to talk about Lopez. Um, I, I don't know. Like with Chris, like do you think Chris scores more than twenty points per game this year? Do you think? Um, there's any kind of big moves in those guys, what you see from them productivity wise? Um, attempting to guess a Thon stat line is maybe the most futile exercise we've ever tried to do on this podcast. We did it last year, missed terribly. We did it the year before, missed terribly as well. Um, uh, so I think we both took the under, we took the under on his minutes. Hey, don't, 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 don't take that away. <laughs> sure. Um, but the numbers were very different than the lines we had set out. Um, and uh, so I'm just going to pass on Thon. Um, I think, the the thing that stands out to me is you're going to see Giannis in a competent offensive system. You're going to see uh, modern ideals applied to that offensive system. So I think you're going to see the chance for him to grow within said system. Uh, the question is just whether or not it's in a points kind of way or an assist kind of way. I kind of lead in points. You kind of lead assists. Um, so I think that'll be interesting. I think Chris shoots more threes this year. Um, does that mean he just takes two more shots per game? Maybe or does that mean two of his not as great shots uh, become threes this year? Uh, That could be the case as well. So, um, man, it's really tough. The Chris and Bledsoe stuff is just tough for me to predict because I don't know who benefits more and who gets more usage or if neither of them get more usage under Mike Boonholzer. Like I do. 
The thing I talked about when Boonholzer was first hired was that, you know, we always talk about a Giannis-centric offense, and Mike Boonholzer is not a very single-player-centric offensive coach. Uh, He very much believes in getting everyone involved and making sure everyone is able to do something. So, uh, you know, maybe that leads to bumps for Chris and Bloods, like bigger bumps for those two, and we don't see as much for Giannis. So um, let me say uh, I'll take... I'll take Middleton over 20 points per game this year. Um, he is 20.1 this last year in 82 games. Uh, obviously, he gets helped out a little bit from the games where Giannis misses, and he got to take you know kind of a lion's share of those shots, uh, and he kind of exploded in two of those games. And uh, so maybe there's some regression we had there, but I I'll take him over 20 points per game. Uh, blood so i think he stays pretty similar to what he was this past year um you know maybe he i would say he's asked to take more threes but he took quite a few threes last year so i think blood so stays pretty similar do you have any strong feelings on those three guys no next question bk414 asks uh Milliman was made by the lakers do you feel he'd be more worthwhile on a deal than Jalen morris also who do you have targeted for the backup three four minutes i think we've talked a fair bit about the three four stuff um I'll be honest. I I know who Malik Newman is. I know he's a better shooter than Jalen Morris. Um, I know Brad Roland, our friend from uh, the Hawks world, uh, sort of tweeted some info at us. You know, basically Morris just question is, will he shoot threes? Um, decent defender, but you know his whole NBA pro- sort of prognosis depends on that three point shot. Uh, in truth, I don't really care. I don't think probably either of these guys matter in the grand scheme of the universe. But I think it is an interesting philosophical question. Like, do you roll the dice on a guy? who can maybe do other things but just needs to learn how to shoot? Or do you roll the dice on a guy who seemingly can shoot but maybe has other flaws in his game? And, you know, I always kind of come back to, as appealing as shooting is, I always come back to the idea that, you know, in terms of what translates from college, shooting is something that actually, one of the things that you can teach a little bit more than maybe some certain other skills. Um, but there aren't any guarantees. That said, you know, Jim Morris is a two-way guy. He's not like a first-round pick or something like that. So I don't really care. Um, Morris is a guy that, that obviously worked with Budenholzer, um, as well as Josh Langstaff last Langstaff last year in Erie uh, with the with the Hawks affiliate there. So you know whatever, benefit to the doubt, etc. Um, I don't particularly care that much, but I think it is an interesting test case just because you know it's always interesting to see. I mean, Trevon Duval, another guy, both basically both of the Bucks, two way guys are essentially sort of shooting, being a learned skill gambles, right? And it'll be interesting to see um, if those are, if either of those guys can add that skill because they're definitely going to have it right now. Next question. Millennial, millennial at Kylo Ben asks, where would a team of the four Adetokounmpo's and Thon finish in the East? Wow, that's putting a lot of pressure on Giannis Adetokounmpo. Last. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's just say, uh, let's just say Giannis having to play small forward with uh, uh, Kostas and Thon at the four five. They're they're going to lose a lot of rebounding battles uh, with that group. Um, I, maybe that that's actually a how funny do they question. score? Is there any team that 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 could not be that they could be? Yeah, because Giannis would have to basically be the point guard uh, and potentially the center, giving <laughs> what we see. And, and Alex is what sixteen years old. Yes. Like, there's I, no... Unfortunately, I, unfortunately, I think Giannis. I think Giannis is uh, is is being asked to do too much there. Um, Brock <laughs> Sobieski asks, "How many minutes does Henson get this year? He seems like he's being phased out unless he starts hitting corner threes." And some laughing, crying emojis. Thank you, Brock. Um, Really interesting question. I don't know what the hell happens with John Henson this year. Um, Is Thon Maker good? Yeah, that's the question, right? Because Thon Maker, the leash, the 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 honeymoon may be over for Thon Maker this year. I don't I don't think um, 
I don't know. I don't really think Budenholzer necessarily is going to have the same um, patience to just keep throwing Thon minutes the way that Jason Kidd did in previous years. And I think certainly the Bucks want to win games. I, I don't. I don't know how much more patience you can have with Thon. I think you're at the kind of put up or shut up time, and that could actually be a good thing for Henson because if Thon's just sort of not not if Thon is just regular season Thon again, then I mean I would imagine Lopez and Henson are your two primary point centers, right? Yeah, so I, I guess you can kind of work this one in reverse. Like, how many minutes does John Henson get this year? I think the very most would be 25 minutes in a game because I think Brooke Lopez gets at least 23. Now, if Brooke Lopez is good, I can see that getting bumped up to 25, to 27, maybe to 28. So that takes John Henson down to 20. Then you have to figure out, does John Henson get chances before Thon Maker? I don't know that Mike Boonholzer is committed to Thon Maker, but I would guess Thon gets those chances before John Henson. So you have 15 minutes there for for Thon Maker. You're looking at, I don't know, five or so per game for John Henson. Um, I don't know if uh, Mike Boonholzer is a fan of those five-minute rotation spots for guys in the same way that Jason Kidd was. Um, I would guess he isn't. I would need to study his rotations uh in a much more detailed manner. Um, and then I think the variation all comes in from his thought maker. Good. If he stinks, I think it, Mike Boonholz would be more than willing to give up on him. If he doesn't stink, I think Mike Boonholz would be more than willing to try to get as much as possible out of Thon Maker and totally erase John Henson's minutes. So um, Henson and Thon Maker minutes, uh, if that prop bet exists in Vegas, do not put any money on it because you are literally just guessing. That is it. I, I have no idea. I have no idea how many minutes John Henson gets this year. Yeah, if I had to guess, I'll just randomly guess, I don't know, 19 minutes. I have no idea. Because, I mean, the other variable, too, as we've alluded to as well, is like, well, what if... Giannis plays eight minutes per game at center or something mm-hmm. like that, right? and that takes a. I mean, that that actually is a really substantial impact on somebody like Henson, especially yep. if he's the backup center. Um, so, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see just sort of how that plays out. And again, I mean, I think with with Jason Kidd, we kind of knew some of his tendencies as far as types of lineups he wanted to play and types of players that he would fit into those lineups. And we don't really know as well. We can look at what you know Budenholzer did with the Hawks, but um, you know this is obviously a new group of guys and some very different types of pieces he has here. Steven Judd asks a very good question, which uh, since we're planning to break this up over multiple days, we'll probably figure out <laughs> in the process of, of these things being put out. But why is Jennings still a buck? Um, interesting question, especially with Pat Connaughton being added as the 16th guy. Um, the obvious presumption would be that either Brandon Jennings or Tyler Zeller would be dropped. I would certainly hope it would be Brandon Jennings. Um, given I think Tyler Zeller is, is a much more serviceable NBA player. Um, I don't know. Eric, what do you think? By the time this actually hits the airwaves, you'll probably be recording an intro saying, well, since this happened, Brandon Jennings was either not waived or waived. Um, what do you think is going to happen this week? Do you think Brandon Jennings is waived? Since we are, let's see, an hour and a half into this, uh, that puts us into at least the... Ooh, at least the Thursday podcast. Um, so I, I figure I just might as well make a prediction here. And then, like you said, in the intro, I'm going to end up saying what actually happened. So my prediction is uh, right around noon on August 1st, Marcus 
Spears is going to report that Brandon Jennings is expecting to come back to the Bucks next season. Uh, and then that'll hastily uh, be followed by the Bucks saying they have not made a decision on Brandon Jennings' extension. And then it'll then get reported that the extension has been pushed back to August 15th um, because that was the way they handled it the first time. So, uh, you know, the the past is the best predictor of the future. So I'll, I'll just go with that again. I, I, w- I would assume that'll be how it all goes down. There'll be a lack of communication with Brandon Jennings, and they'll just keep pushing that, that guaranteed date back for Brandon Jennings. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Jennings... The fact that they didn't just release Jennings in July is what makes me most nervous. I mean, again, like, whatever. Like, I'm not going to, like, have the rest of my summer ruined by Brandon Jennings not being waived. I just don't really see the point of keeping him on the roster as a fourth point at this stage. He's bad um, at basketball. Yeah, I mean, as long, well, as long as you, like, make sure you play him against, you know, those G League teams like the Grizzlies and last year's Bulls, then then he can have his moments, right? I mean, he, he did actually throw together a couple of really nice games that helped them win, game, win, win basketball games. Um but uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the novel, you know, the, the nostalgic person in me sort of is, is kind of still enjoys the idea of Brandon Jennings randomly finding, you know, new NBA life uh, as this, um, you know, end of bench guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that he hasn't been waived yet is interesting. Um, so but but again, like with the Connaughton signing, they just have a ton of guards. So you just feel like at some point here, some somebody's got to be be pushed out. And again, I don't know if Brandon or Mike Budenholzer has the same nostalgia for Brandon Jennings that uh, that maybe some of the other Bucks uh, front office folks do. So, um, so I will guess that that logic will eventually win out here, and Brandon Jennings will, will no longer be a Buck. But whatever, nothing would surprise me. Since I've now removed the tongue from my cheek, um, yes, I, I would assume as well that he will be released. I cannot think of a reason for why he would not be released in in the coming days. It just doesn't. It, it would not make any sense to me.